For Your Inflammation is brought to you by Electric Guitars. One night stand today, midlife crisis tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Inflammation with Zach and John. Captain Lincoln S. Stern. Welcome to For Your Information, a podcast for good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, John. And Zach. Ah, and it's uh, it's that time of year again. We're getting to a kind of a, a late start on our March Madness series. Uh, for those of you that weren't here last year, uh, March is the month where I pick the movies that Zach has not seen for one reason or another, rather than the other way around, as the podcast premise tends to go. Um, and this week, that movie is going to be Canada's own groundbreaking 1981 animated anthology epic, Heavy Metal. And um, what a movie. It's uh, there, There's a lot going on here. There's a lot to talk about. <clears throat> so I, I'd love to talk about, you know, the animation style, um, the somewhat stinted voice acting. But we know why we're all here. Big, huge Canadian animated titties. Not, not, the, not quite the same as, like, you know, anime titties. But it's they're, they're still there. You know, depending on how far back you want to go with this, you might actually be better off calling them French animated titties. Oh, was this animated in Quebec? God damn it. Oh, no, I'm talking about how it's based on a magazine of all things, and that magazine is from France. From France? Like, not, like, okay, so I guess I understand why it was animated in Canada then, because, like, Quebec is kind of like French's little whipping boy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I thought Just... France was France's little whipping boy. You're, you're not wrong, and I love how I've already, like, at the top of season three, alienated, like, French people. You know what? We did the math last season. We don't have any French listeners right now, so you know what? I think they had it coming a little bit. They have not been the butt of... Well, that's not true. They have been the butt of a lot of jokes. I'm sorry, French people. I'm sorry? Go ahead and cancel us already, I guess? Get canceled. We're going to be banned in France. Well, I, if you're banned in France, that means you're probably banned in the EU as well. We don't, we don't want to be banned in all of Europe. No, I, there's still places I want to go in Europe, you know? Like, I want to go see all the rolling hills and, like, Nessie, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nessie. Well, I mean, Scotland is technically in the UK, and the UK just seceded from the EU. So oh, great. It, did they secede? Or did they... What do they call that? It's not a secession. I don't know. It's, Ireland's still in the EU, though. It's a it's a Brexit. So it's... um I, I To be completely honest, I don't know how any of that works. I know that, like, it's kind of done. Like, they, like, they have it finished, but but I have no idea what that means or why. Yes, I understand. I, it is what it is. It's not relevant to this though, because what we're talking about this week is animated, it's big, it's bad, and frankly, it's not something that we see a lot of anymore, and I really appreciate how this, I don't know exactly what the relationship is between this and like punk rock, like graphic art, but like, it, it kind of reminded me of that, and I, I find that highly endearing. It, it is, um, so like, Back in the, like, this was 1981, so this has a very, like, 1980s, like, golden age of comic books style to it. Yeah. So, that's mainly what you're seeing, and then, like, I think that, um, that aesthetic was kind of adopted by, like, pop punk bands, mm -hmm. because, um, it, it kind of coincided with, like, the, uh, like, while the pop punk thing was going on in the mainstream, there was also, like, somewhat of an 80s revival, so I think in mm -hmm. order to stay relevant, pop punk kind of, like, had to, you know, uh, like... <laughs> absolve some something from that culture to like bring it to their thing so that people will like it because I believe it or not saying. believe it or not everything in media is synergy nothing is nothing pops up on your screen not on purpose they uh, know what the right. fuck they're doing Yes, the DeepMind, the 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 Google DeepMind, the Apple DeepMind. Uh, for those of you that didn't pick up on any of our other conversations, uh, we've actually made a lot of upgrades to what we're doing here. We're we're both on Apple computers now. Yeah, it's uh um I finally updated from my uh 2010 uh Toshiba satellite that um the poor fucking thing, man. It it it, it was done. Like that thing was just it, like I I'm surprised it worked for all of season two. It was already starting to shit out at the end of season one. And I was going to get a new computer then. But then, you know, that whole 
fucking thing happened. We don't have to talk about it. So, uh, the other thing we do on this podcast, uh, rather than just talk about movies, is we talk about cocktails. So every week, or at least most weeks, we try to make you a new cocktail that goes along with the movie, and it's kind of themed somehow. We like to have fun with it, and since it's March Madness and Zach is the one under the gun... Zach, Uh-oh. tell me about the cocktail that you made for Heavy Metal. Okay, so uh, just forewarning, if you weren't with us last season, um, I am not a good cocktail maker. John is kind of like the CEO of homebrewed cocktails, but I'm going to try my best. And what I, do, what I used to do best was uh, making really strong drinks tolerable. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. Um, This drink is going to be called High School Never Ends, a.k.a. Titty Juice. Oh, wow, okay. This was uh, this is, this is a special kind of direction you took this thing. Yes, okay, so wh- what did we all really drink in high school? I don't know about you guys, but there was always vodka around. I don't know why it was always vodka. Like, I didn't have whiskey until I was in college, but, like, everything I drank pre-college was fucking vodka or beer so that's what i'm going with here it's also the reason i can't really drink vodka anymore but i did just to make this so what you're gonna do is you're going to pour as much vodka as you think you can handle and then pour a little more so for me that was about five shots so that's you're gonna a lot pour, you're gonna pour just five a splash sh- of vodka exactly so after you have your enormous amount of vodka whatever that means for you you're gonna want to dilute it with some sparkling water now i personally prefer sugared seltzer water for this kind of thing just because it kind of goes with the theme but you can use non-sugared if you want so you're gonna you're however much vodka you put in you're gonna put three-fourths of the sparkling water in so that should have your thing just about where it needs to be so here's where the fun part comes in you now have a base you can put some mixins in. Mm. So what I did personally was I juiced and I juiced an orange into it because uh, I just remember having like you know sparkling orange juice vodka shit all the time, and it doesn't taste that good. But you know what will make it taste better? Just a little bit of grenadine, like just just the tiniest amount, probably not even like a shot's worth. Okay. So and then you just mix that all up with a spoon. Don't put it in a shaker because you're in high school. You don't have a shaker. But right. definitely make sure you sh- you stir the fuck out of that thing because because other- otherwise you're just gonna get like mm, this is really sweet and then just vodka yeah which that- <laughs> which might might be what you're looking for if you're trying to live your high school days but you know most of us have to go to work at some point in the next three days so don't do that to yourself yeah 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 don't do that to yourself also in the future if you do have a shaker don't shake carbonated stuff because it will build up the pressure and it will pop open in your hands and cover everything in liquor you know what but then that means you just have to drink it faster it's kind of like when you pull something out of the microwave and it starts burning your hands and your brain's first response is to put it in your mouth (laughs) i (laughs) i like the idea of this i don't think that i've ever actually done that though (laughs) oh come on man you haven't been like ah this is burning your flesh and then you just put put it in in my mouth mouth? though (laughs) no i haven't done that is that just a me problem I think that's just a you problem. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, I've no. known people who eat stuff that burns their mouth all the time. Like, I, I, I know people like that. I, I have put stuff in the microwave and pulled it out where it was too hot, but I've never tried to eat it immediately as a knee-jerk fight-or-flight response. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You're making me feel really fucking dumb. Like, there's something wrong with my goddamn brain. <laughs> There's something I mean, wrong with your brain. That's that's why, or maybe there's everything wrong with your brain, and that's why you're here. Is because your your brain is movies, and we need movies. We, oh my god! In okay, times so, like these, we need movies. We do need movies right now. Uh, I actually made a cocktail as well, just because I really like the opportunity to make uh, a cocktail that I could call the Lochnar. So the uh, what I did was it's a it's a shooter. So you take your shot glass and uh, in your shaker, you're going to put some ice in there and you're going to put a quarter ounce of cinnamon schnapps and a quarter ounce of Southern Comfort. And you're going to shake it thoroughly and pour that on the bottom of the shot glass. Then you're going to take a half ounce of apple schnapps, like the sour apple green stuff, and a half ounce mm. of vodka and put that in there. Uh, personally, I rinse the ice before I change over because I want the flavors to stay separated, but that's just me. Um, and I put it in there and I shake it up and you're going to get a bar spoon or really any spoon that will fit in the shot glass and you'll put it down there and you'll strain it carefully over the top and the liquors are going to separate out so you get kind of a gradient bright green to like dusky red color in the bottom it's kind of cool it's like a cinnamon apple shot it's got a little bit of like a like a spicy southern 
sweet kind of thing going on with the Soko. Um, I, I like this shot. I, I'm, I'm not normally a shooter kind of person, and some of my original versions of this were a little too sweet. I know I used like UV apple vodka instead of regular vodka one time, and I was like, it's just a little bit too much of that artificial apple thing going on, so I backed it off and did just regular vodka. And I was like, well, if you're going to take it as a shot, then I mean, it doesn't really make a big difference, I don't think. But uh, that's what I ended up landing on for mine. Awesome. I mean, that is definitely more well put together than mine. Mine was basically like, eh, just dump vodka and just whatever shit you want in it but I was, I was trying to elevate it a little bit like i was like how can i make this more adult instead of just you know like putting mount vodka in mountain dew like well, how can i make this better <laughs> i will say that you did a lot for this by um like taking the heaviness off of it like if you would have used like full fat sugar sprite into the vodka instead of using like a seltzer water, then you're talking about something that's really, like, sticky, syrupy, sweet, and that's gonna be hard to drink. So, wait, hold on. Did you say full fat, like, sugar, Sprite? Like, is there fat in Sprite? No, I say, I, I mix up my terms there saying full fat, meaning everything in it, no diet, no nothing, and then oh, just okay. clarified it by saying sugar immediately afterwards, which was not the move. I was gonna be like, Sprite makes you fat? Oh my god, here we go, Michael Sarah. <laughs> Um, anyway. Okay, cool. So, we both went vodka. So, John, what's your vodka of choice? Oh, man. Uh, honestly, don't spend more than $20 on a bottle. That's my only rule. So... Bullshit. If I can get Kettle One for a good price, then, like, I like Kettle One, especially when it comes to, like, citrus-flavored vodka or citron mm -hmm. vodka. But, um, not always. A lot of times, I'll just keep, like, Sky or UV or Absolute if I'm feeling fancy. I really don't get into top-shelf vodka ever. Uh, like, right now, I think I have... Oh, what is it? I think it's called, like, Heroes Vodka, and it's supposed to be, like, uh, like a veteran-made product. It's kind of cool. It's got a little bit of a story to it, but most importantly, it costs, like, $21 for the whole handle, and it doesn't taste like gasoline. Those are my only two criteria for vodka. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I guess maybe I'm just, like, prone to advertisements, but, like, I just really like Tito's. Tito's is fine, and honestly, it's not crazy expensive. No, it's not, and I'm like, I, I, I like the taste of it. It's the only vodka that doesn't make me feel like I want to throw up. Yeah, and I mean, it's got a good look to it, so if you keep it on your bar at home, it's recognizable, it looks pretty good, it takes up the space, because that's one of the things about alcohol, like, alcohol advertising and products and stuff is just that, like, the look is important because the way you display liquor bottles is an important part of a bar experience. Correct. Like, I've, like, I've all, I'm still looking for one, but I, what I want to do is I want to take a, um, like an old TV set, mm -hmm. gut it, like, line it up with lights and some velvet and, like, a little shelf and make that my bar, like, like my bar display. Now, that's pretty cool. I like that idea. Yeah. It, I mean, it goes with, like, you know, my favorite things, watching TV and drinking booze. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then I'll have a little rolling tray in there but that's for when that's legal so shh baby we're not talking about it right now right 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 right. <laughs> oh god all right john well season three is off to a great start but you know who we haven't heard from oh who's that we haven't heard from frank uh oh, are we yeah. are, are we did did we get with his people are we entirely sure that he's coming back because he didn't come to sign his contract i mean i kind of assume so you know he kind of does it in one fell swoop and then takes the bus back to new york city so let me go see if he's ready Oh, looks like he's there. Uh, so, John, why don't you go take five and uh, let Frank in? All right, all right, here he is. We spent all of our money on new computers and new mics, and we didn't get a third mic for Frank to be in on the conversations with us. So, uh, you know, boys be broke as fuck. Uh, if someone wants to start a Patreon for us, that'd be great. Anyway, Frank, baby, we're back together after what two three months i'm so happy to see you what's going on oh it's been great i took a little bit of a vacation was on a little bit of a hiatus from all of my normal antics i uh i saw the world i got out there and traveled the country oh where did you go well uh, i went to washington dc and then uh things didn't go so well there i ended up on a bus to some place with some bars on the windows and uh you know it, the things weren't so great then uh, I, I managed to find my way out of there i they really didn't want me to leave you know how they are with these tourist traps these days ah uh, i i i see so um, so, uh, Frank, did you, uh, did you get to go inside any buildings while you were in D.C.? Like, what, like, what sites did you go see before you went oh, to Oh, well, the, I saw the Lincoln Memorial. The I, uh, I slept on Lincoln's shoe. That was very nice. Uh, they told me to leave. Uh, I saw the, uh... <laughs> 
the the America's Dick attraction, the big tall one, and um, I That's saw fair. the uh, I saw the Capitol building. You saw the Capitol building. That's awesome. Uh, did you get to go inside? Oh, of course I did. Oh, okay. W- was it really crowded? It was, and honestly, in the age of COVID, that's uh, that's not something that's very good for me. I-, I I really don't prefer that. I try to be responsible. Yeah, especially when you're 137 years old, you definitely don't want COVID. No, 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 not at all. So, Frank, um, how, like, what do you, does it cost any money to get in there? Like, I can't remember. I haven't been to the Capitol building in so long. Well, you know, it must have been President's Day or something, because it cost me absolutely nothing. Hey, that's pretty cool. You know, tax-free weekend, that just means that anything that, like, is paid for with taxes should be free. I, I totally respect that. I agree. Of course, I know what taxes are. <laughs> yeah, uh, by the way, we still have your, like, 1099s from, uh, you know, the past two years, and they're getting on our ass about it, so if you could fill those out, that'd be great. I can't make any promises. All right, Frank. Well, enough chit-chat. Did you, uh, did you get to watch Heavy Metal while you were in the clink? Oh, of course I did. That's one of the few things that you can get in there. It, very interesting. Like, what other what other movies do they have available in jail, Frank? Well, they have Gone with the Wind. Okay. They have Nothing But Trouble. Oh, interesting. And they have a few pay-per-views on VHS of WWE SmackDown Raw. Oh, nice. All right. Well, let's get to heavy metal, Frank. Tell them all about it. All right. The balance of good and evil in the universe is under attack. The ancient power of the Lochnar has reared its ugly head, and the only hope of survival rests with a warrior priestess, a nerd-turned-king, space truckers, and a New York cabbie. Where will the Lochnar strike next? Will the armies of evil prevail over the light? Will they? I don't know. I don't think I don't think the movie really answers it, but thank you, Frank. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. That's my uh that that's my cue to leave. That is your cue to leave. Alright, Frank. Um I, I don't think we have anything for craft services, like we said, we kinda blew our budget, so uh <laughs> I, I hope that the 350 to come back to the show is enough. Oh, of course, of course. Bus fare rich once again. Bus fare rich once again. Frank now has $22 in his bank account. Awesome. All right, Frank, uh, let John know he can come back in. All right, bye. All righty, everybody. So, John. Oh, yeah. John. I, uh, good to see Frank again. I, he looks haunted. He does. Um, I, I do believe that he has seen some things that he can't unsee. Um,. <laughs> Like, in general, or specifically in the recent past? Um, I, I, I do believe that Frank was in, uh, Washington, D.C. on a certain day in January, and, um, uh, I don't think he meant to be there. Oh, just in, I see, Just in yeah. case anyone doesn't understand the jokes on this podcast or the intent. <laughs> I see, yeah, I, um, I didn't know that he was so political. I, I don't think that he is. I I, th- I think he I think he has the complete absence of politicalness. I I, wow. I truly I truly think he was there and did not know what was going on because he is 137 years old. Man, how freeing must it be to be like you know not concerned with politics and not concerned with material things and like only concerned with how to live on the bottom level of a Greyhound bus. Hey man, some people are built for it, some are not, and Frank All is right. cer- certainly I- well built yet very fragile for it. Anyway, speaking of absence of politicalness, let's talk about heavy metal. Just the most unpretentious thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, heavy metal, for those of you that don't know, it's an anthology film. So there's a bunch of, like, smaller pieces, a bunch of, like, vignettes, if you will, that make up the total story i guess you could really call it a story there are a bunch of small stories that are like held together by a common thread we'll get to more on that later but because of the nature of the film it's kind of hard to talk about all the people involved so we'll just kind of give you like a highlight reel of who was involved with like the writing and the direction and the animation and uh (laughs) let's just start with directors so uh jimmy murakami who was involved with the teenage mutant ninja turtle series and the lion witch and the wardrobe tv series uh and jack stokes who did yellow submarine were both directors on different parts of this film which is pretty dope, honestly. I mean, like, you got someone who worked on Turtle Power, Aslan, and The Beatles. So yes. this should, theoretically, be a beautifully animated movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would think so, especially when you talk about something like Yellow Submarine, like, that's, like, super iconic and, like, it's still visible today. And to have, like, shared pedigree with this film and something like that really kind of, like, speaks for, like, that like the i guess the meatiness of this film like it's it's actually really good in a lot of ways or at least the idea was really good speaking of i mean writers in this film are kind of unique in that they're also sometimes animators and like artists because it's based on comic books from the heavy metal series like you know the the magazine 
So, like, we have people like Daniel O'Bannon. He was involved in, like, Star Wars, Alien, Return of the Living Dead, Life Force, Total Recall, Alien vs. Predator. Like, a lot of sci-fi fantasy pedigree with that guy, even, just in particular. You know, like, uh, Daniel Goldberg, who did Stripes, Space Jam. He did the Hangover series. And then we have, like, Len Bloom, who did, again, also Stripes and Pink Panther. Like, the one with, um... Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Banjo guy. I, I know exactly who you're talking about, and my brain will not let me remember his name. Steve right Martin. Now. It's Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin. Oh, that one. I thought you were talking about the original Pink Panthers. Oh, no, no, no. This is the 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 more recent one. Okay, so the Steve Martin Pink Panthers. Um, Not... <laughs> Not exactly the pedigree that I'm looking for here, but very, very big numbers. Very, very, uh, it did have a sequel, so that means they must have felt some type of way about the numbers. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, now with actors, this is like, this is where most of like the entertainment pedigree comes from because we have like, just to name a few, we have John Candy, who needs no introduction, uh, Canada's own golden boy. Um, Roger Bumpus, who plays Squidward Tentacles and does an awful lot of voice acting for the Disney animated films. Uh, Douglas Kenny, who is in Animal House. Caddyshack, he's like a writer, producer, actor. And Eugene Levy, who is in the American Pie series, Cheaper by the Dozen, and is, uh, most recently in Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. I want to stop and talk about that show for just a second. Like, what is that show? Why does it exist? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I, like, I've watched a good majority of it because, like, it is good background noise. I do not understand the hype. If someone could explain the hype to me, please, please, dear God, tell me. I, I don't understand what, what is wrong with you people. I'm glad that you're kind of on the same, like, level as I am with Arrested Development on this. See, Arrested Development is actually, like, funny. Like, not that there's not funny moments in Shit's Creek, but it's just, like, it's so bland. Like, even for, like, Canadian or, like, um, European-style humor, it is very dry. Huh. And I just, I don't, I don't understand. Are we talking, like, a Monty Python-type dry, or are we talking about, like, a UK The Office dry, or, like, what? At a point. Uh, we're talking about probably closer to UK Office, but, like, not quite as, like comparatively fantastical hmm. like because like the office is like everyone is dull except for michael scott who is like so dull that he is like an otherworldly character right we're, we're talking about like everyone is kind of dull and it's just like who who can who can make me go to sleep first like who, okay who, who I, can i give a shit about the least maybe that's what it is and may, maybe that's all it's meant to be you ever think about like how you could have like an interactive art experience or you could have like some kind of like special film that's like made to make you feel a certain way or interact a certain way but you also have films that are just made to be as dull as possible that are just made to be as like unengaging as possible true um <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is a uh, mumblecore ah uh, mumblecore not not the genre of music right no that's mumble rap but um mumblecore is like um imagine a <laughs> Imagine if someone bothered to film a, like, one to two person monologue play that has, oh, like, no. basically no set and no lighting. Uh-huh. But they just, it's so, like, it's mostly about the words and the dialogue, and most times it's improvised. So uh. what, maybe, maybe we'll do a mumblecore movie here soon. Maybe that'll be your punishment for whatever you're going to do to me this month. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm already mad at this movie, but we'll talk about why later. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, so for animators, I mean, a lot of the writers and animators cross over because this is, like, based on comics that were already written by the people that do the Heavy Metal magazine, kind of like we mentioned earlier. And uh, it's worth mentioning that there are actually some actors for the physical side of things as well, or the art side of things, because we have the voice actors, obviously. But we also have people like Carol Debian, who is like a rotoscope model for Tarna, you know, the last Tarakian from the final vignette of the movie, and maybe the most iconic character of them all. But that, we'll talk more about rotoscoping later, but there were these types of people involved as well, and that's one of the things that makes this pretty unique as far as these types of films go it is rather interesting like um just the fact that there's so many people involved in making this movie and how low the budget is comparatively because like i mean like i think they did this movie for like 9.3 million dollars and like yeah. all these people are involved and like i mean for that level of animation to come out of that much money it's like i mean this was this was a passion project it looks like it really was you know i think a lot of the people involved really wanted to see their art on the screen it was kind of a new concept to do people were really excited about doing it and we'll touch on some of that later because a lot of different companies had their hands on it at different times and some people pass it up for other things um 
Considering the title, I think we would be remiss to not touch on some of the musical artists involved because there is, a, again, a lot of pedigree here. So just to name some of the highlights here, we had music from Sammy Hagar, Devo, Blue Oyster Cult, Don Felder, Riggs, Journey, Cheap Trip, Black Sabbath, Stevie Nicks, and original scoring by Elmer Bernstein, who also did Airplane and American Werewolf in London. Now, the the, the um <laughs> the original music is great in this. But every time it comes on, I'm upset that it's not, like, another, like, rock tune. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, um, the whole, um, Tarna sequence, I don't think it has one, like, licensed song in it. I think it is all original scoring. Honestly, I'm kind of okay with it, and believe it or not, some of that music is recycled from other Elmer Bernstein products. Really? Yeah, I couldn't tell you what they all are right now, but it was a little controversial in smaller circles that he was using music that was not, like, used in other projects in this one, and it wasn't completely original work. But, like, if it hadn't been released before, I mean, I don't have a problem with that. No, I mean, and I think I think the track selection for this is pretty good. Um, I definitely think someone watching this now, like, thinking it's going to be heavy metal because they're, like, I think the those terms have changed since then. Oh, 100%. Because at no point in any time in recent history would anyone consider Journey, like, heavy metal or even hard rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Nowadays, I think people would be a little, like, you know, let down if you didn't have, like, Blunt Force Castration by Cannibal Corpse in there. You picked, like, the most appropriate, like, Cannibal Corpse song title to say. Yeah, I mean, most of them are like that. <laughs> most most <laughs> of them are cool. like that. Yeah, it's cool most if you're them. into that. Uh, Jim Carrey, that's his favorite band. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh, can yeah. you imagine Jim Carrey just raging in, like, L.A. traffic playing Cannibal Corpse at full blast? Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Jim Carrey, do, do what you gotta do. <laughs> right. Uh, the movie was distributed by Columbia Pictures, produced by Famous Players, Canadian Film Development Corporation, Potterton Productions, and Guardian Trust Company. So a lot of people had their hands on it, and there were even a couple of other animated studios that were kind of interested and didn't end up in there, and we'll touch on those here in a little bit. Uh, it had a budget of $9.3 million, as you mentioned earlier, and a box office return of $20.1 million. Which, I mean, hey, double the budget back, that's pretty good. It's not a blockbuster, it's not a, like, a slam-dunk success, but hey, everybody got double their money back so that's all the studio cares about right it's definitely better than um poultry geist poultry geist <laughs> probably made it for you know five hundred dollars and probably were like they got like negative 250 out of it and that's pretty close i think the budget was a half million and they ended up making like fifteen thousand or something crazy i I, yeah. I don't know why that is uh lloyd we love you come on the podcast we want to talk to you about marketing Please, among other things, but marketing. I really want to know about the chicken in ass special effects whole thing. I I don't. You know what? That that save it. Get him on the podcast when I can't be here because I don't want to know about the chicken in the ass shit. Okay, got it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about like the background of the film and like the things that make up the film. So what is an anthology film? Like, I mean, we talk about different types of film and specifically when it talks to something like this, uh, we talk about like collection of short films, vignettes, stuff like that, that we kind of saw in a movie like Clerks, but this is kind of its own thing. Right. So whereas Clerks was like a bunch of vignettes with the same characters that make up like a general story or like fulfill certain storylines. Uh, this is more like a, um, there is a unifying thing going on, but everything is completely separate. They take place in different times, different realms. It's, um, I would say it's closer to kind of like, um, the like world war two era Disney films where it's like, they were working on a couple of different shorts. So they just like put them together and found a way to, um, splice them together. Like put like some sort of unifying story around it, whether that be like, you know, Jim, any cricket reading bedtime stories to children or something along those lines right the all those uh images of donald duck as hitler that have persisted in the internet culture until today hey look i don't want to be canceled by disney because they definitely do not like it when anyone brings that up well that's fine they shouldn't have done it they should have thought about that when they did it i agree anyway yeah we can also talk about the popeye like anti-japanese war drive things what oh yeah there's a few popeye cartoons where popeye joins the navy because you know he's a sailor i thought he was already in the navy uh this was the period of time where the navy popeye cartoons take place oh okay gotcha yeah, so oh okay so there was a before 
a during and an after. Got it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because even after it, I don't think he's actually in the Navy, but, like, these are all military-themed for the purposes of, like, you know, recruiting, entertaining, ward bond drives, all that crap. I can dig it. Okay. Not important for what we're talking about now, though. Let, let, let's bring it back to anthology. So, uh, short films held together by common thematic elements in this particular case is going to be the Lochnar. And for those of you that didn't see the movie, first off, why are you listening right now? Go watch it. Grab some popcorn. You know, pop your belt off. Put your hand down there like uh, Al Bundy and watch the movie and then come back and do this. Um, <laughs> Anthology is made up of vignettes. We kind of talk about vignettes. And other films that are like kind of like this but even it's so unique that they're not even like that are like creep show which is the 1982 film uh new york stories 1989 and then the ballad of buster scruggs which is a coen brothers film from 2018 uh, are all kind of examples of anthology films yeah it's it's pretty popular um it's also if you're not familiar with the term um there's also anthology series mm-hmm where uh like american horror story would be an anthology series would be like an anthology series right how like each season has its own like main theme or idea and then it's told from different points of view or it's all like loosely held together but kind of takes place in the same location exactly so it's um you're getting something different like every season in that scenario in this you're getting a different story like every 15 to 20 minutes so it's like basically a bunch of short films held together by some sort of unifying bullshit yes um let's talk about adult animation for a second because nowadays we're kind of spoiled in that we have things like uh family guy the cleveland show south park the simpsons like there was a time before all of this stuff and adult animation had actually been used before just maybe not in the same way uh heavy metal is kind of one of the first instances in which we see animation for an adult audience i mean most of the time in the u.s animation has been used to tell children's stories how like family friendly entertainment and after the Hayes code was implemented which we've talked ad nauseum about the Hayes oh, code yes. over the years um animation for adult audience was basically abandoned uh some of the most notable changes would be like betty boop and how like pre Hayes code betty boop and post Hayes code betty boop are kind of like a night and day difference yeah betty boop uh no longer um i guess the Hayes code slut shamed the fuck out of a cartoon character for whatever goddamn reason yes because <laughs> the last thing we want is a free woman <laughs> women are not allowed to be free unless all the men are you know off at sea and then we need them to work and then we're going to empower them and then we're going to hold them down for another 30 40 years it's women's history month everybody thank your mom you know what yes this is our contribution is bringing to light how betty boop has been wronged by the system for decades (laughs) betty also talking about heavy metal betty boop american sweetheart or jailed suffragette (laughs) a new 15 part series that no one else ken burns get on it (laughs) ken burns he's brought you the civil war the Vietnam War. Any other important thing you could want to hear about. Now hear him babble the fuck on about Betty Boop for 22 hours. Yes, exactly. Um, It wasn't always like this, though. Like, animation as we know it wasn't always the adult's preference for it. We had, like, a movement in the 20s called Absolutist Film, which uh, I kind of sent you a little bit of uh, quote-unquote required reading for. Like, the Symphony Diagonal, yes. which is like a... It's like a it's like a modern art painting but it moves on the screen and it's supposed to be viewed like that not really like a traditional animation you might have seen like out of a Betty Boop or an early Disney you know like it's it's a different animal right it's um it, it's abstract art like so I guess you would consider that adult but you know I mean it's it's more that it's boring like I kind of miss the days when like adult was like kind of considered you know it's something that like kids either a wouldn't understand or would find boring or would be objectionable but now when you say adult entertainment like (laughs) all kinds of shit comes to mind right like it could be pornographic or they could just say fuck one too many times exactly like there's there we need to have a distinction between the two things right because nc 17 is not cutting it we don't have x-rated films anymore it's just all r-rated and like anything that's worth watching now is probably r-rated well and it's it's just a sign of the times like it's we need i've been saying it you know since we started this podcast we need a new rating system because the one that we have now does not fit the needs of a modern america um they should be allowed to say fuck in pg-13 movies like it should just be a thing agreed and even if they get one freebie, I mean, they have to make other concessions. It's a whole thing. We talked about it before. Go do your homework. Watch Go do Heavy your Metal homework. and then watch, come back. 
<laughs> Al Bundy it. Put your hand in your pants just a little bit. <laughs> you know, not far enough to put the dick, but enough to scratch the fupa if, you know, the, the occasion arises. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of scratching the fupa, uh, let's talk a little bit about Heavy Metal Magazine. Uh, so <laughs> Heavy Metal Magazine was first released in the U.S. in 1977. Uh, it's a sci-fi fantasy magazine. It's kind of like illustration heavy. It's got comics and stuff for a mature audience. So it's kind of like how nowadays, well, I mean, maybe not even nowadays, but like in the past couple decades, you've had like mangas and animes that have arisen that are specifically for adults. It's not really a children's entertainment venue in the anime world. It, it, it has all kinds of stuff in it. This was oh, yeah. specifically for a mature audience, although it wasn't just full of anime titties. <laughs> no, these are Canadian titties. These are Canadian animation titties. They're very different. Yeah, it's like the cover of like an 80s pulp paperback fantasy novel was an entire comic book. And there was a magazine published like twice a month that was full of that type of content. Hey, you gotta see the titties where you can see them, you know? As a parent, would you rather your kids be looking at real titties or animated titties? I, again, we're we're missing <laughs> the point here, I think. So uh, let's talk about the codes for a second. So again, like the Hayes Code, there's a Comics Code Authority that was instituted in 1954. Mm -hmm. And it had a similar kind of effect, standardized the limitations of explicit content that were allowed in U.S. comic books. Um, unlike the Hayes Code, it was not mandatory to participate in this to get major distribution, but most distributors that participated which were most of them wouldn't carry any merchandise that wasn't approved ah uh, okay so this is very much like movie theaters it's like you definitely can like there is room to go above and beyond what the code says you can do but we're just we can't support it is what they're saying which is bullshit it's, right um, exactly it, it's <laughs> I, I i'm going to hate saying this but it's like it was kind of like um uh it's a literal free speech jail not the free speech jail that your uncle gets into for you know saying whatever he says on facebook but like actual free speech jail yeah 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 i mean it's a little bit like how we get grindhouse films out of mainstream movies this is kind of like their grindhouse like yeah there are like specifically like pornographic things that you can get into in the comic book world but this is not really that necessarily it's just like it's erotic in like a fantasy sense or maybe there's explicit violence in it or something like that because it's, it's it, again it's a sci-fi fantasy comic book that kind of thing happens there right wrong or indifferent that's the product they were selling and it couldn't get through the comics code right and it, which is a shame because i feel like it holds down creativity after a while oh it absolutely does and i mean not everybody wants to turn you know wolverine into like a pilgrim you know what i mean like i mean it's an interesting character but i mean he doesn't need to be the moral backbone of a country you know he's a guy that exactly. has blades that come out of his hand and he's like five foot three not every character of every show or comic book needs to go on a lunchbox some of them just need to be on a poster in a college dorm but they yeah. have to go they have to go on one of two <laughs> You know what, though? If they had a Tarna the Last Terrakian lunchbox, I'd probably get the set with the thermos. What's the thermos? Is the thermos just the, the fucking little, like, pterodactyl thing? Yeah, probably. Okay, that's cool. As long as it has yeah. the wings on it, you know, it makes it really hard to put anything in there. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's that's the only thing you can fit in the box. It's essentially a case for your novelty thermos. Jesus Christ. Get on it, nerds. Someone make get it. Get on it, Lu Ken Burns. Luke, get on Luke it. Crank. Elon Musk, get on it. <laughs> nah, Elon Musk is trying to stay ahead of the Apple car right now. He's going to be busy for a minute. Anyway. Oh my God, here we go. <laughs> we can't get into the Apple car right now, but I have some choice words for the Apple car concept. <laughs> you know, it'll go with your Apple Apple TV and your Apple game console and your Apple pacemaker and your Apple brain chip. Yes, of course. And it's still going to be impossible to fix your Apple account. Anyway. All exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about rotoscoping for a second. So rotoscoping isn't necessarily a new concept. Uh, there's been a lot of this going on for, I mean, decades and decades and decades, but it's essentially where they use like a cell and they'll put the cell over like the image of a person and they draw over that to get kind of the idea of what it's going to be like. In like a nutshell, that's kind of what rotoscoping is. You remember like that uh, MTV intro with the astronaut? Yes. That's rotoscoping. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. It's um, it's actually a pretty old um, way of doing animation i mean like even um like classic disney kind of did it to an extent oh yeah i mean cell animation was first patented i think in 1931 mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's not a new concept, but it's cool to see it here. And I think that when we look at something like uh, Rock and Rule, which is another movie that's kind of adjacent to this in another genre, which I've also seen, believe it or not. Um, that, that one is... sucks a little more than this one. It does. It's got a different appeal. It's for a different audience. Exactly. It's more of a musical than this is. Yes, it is. Um, and also Canadian, uh, Nelvana Limited, the company that actually ended up working on rock and roll, declined to work on heavy metal. And I I can't tell if they like lamented not being able to be in heavy metal by their own choice or if they just really leaned into rock and roll. But I mean... It's... They they leaned really heavy into rock and roll, um, <laughs> and it, like that one has more of a cult status than heavy metal does. Like heavy metal is almost like an institution, where yeah. it like as far as like the cult stuff goes, like like cult animation. Like the first thing that comes to mind is heavy metal, just like cult movie. The first thing that comes to mind is Rocky Horror. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think heavy metal definitely exists in that sphere. But you're right in that rock and roll. I didn't even know about rock and roll until after I watched heavy metal, and then I saw it come up in like a recommended search. I'm like, what the heck is that? And then I look at it, and it's basically Sword in the Stone with, like... I mean, they don't just have boobies in the movie, but, you know, it's for that type of crowd. Exactly. It's, um... Interestingly enough, um, it's... It never had, like, an official, like, DVD or Blu-ray release until about, like, five years ago. And I, I found the website that was selling it. And I almost bought it. Until, I think it's called Unearthed Films. Uh, they also mm. recently did a um, a Blu-ray re-release of a Serbian film. Oh, which, no. Um, so, um, yeah. No, that's... Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can if I can support this. <laughs> I Understandable. Understandable. I mean, it, Rock and Roll is kind of like the Fightful American tale but it's like you know cyberpunk and everyone smokes weed exactly it's it's pretty interesting um if you really liked the animated hobbit check out rock and roll yeah 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 it's for that type of crowd as well it's for that crowd. um let's talk about heavy metal again so uh the release of heavy metal it, it was successful we kind of mentioned the numbers earlier you know it, it got like double the budget back and so cover some of your ad costs make sure everybody gets paid um, but it did get a larger cult following in the years to come. Uh, wasn't able to immediately get a home video release, but in 1996, it was released as the louder, nastier edition. Uh, and then we had the DVD release in 1999, a Blu-ray in 2011. And uh, honestly, the home video sales have been the driving force behind the film's success. Yes, over 1 million units sold. So ju a, a little less than how many McDonald's hamburgers have been sold. A little less. <laughs> what what are they at like two billion like i feel like even that's too low of a number i want to say it's closer to a hundred billion like think about how many hamburgers well think about how many they sell a day i want to see i want to see like a spreadsheet of how many they've sold versus how many they throw away at the end of the day oh yeah you know i'm sure that they have a bunch of like nerds in the accounting division who just figure out exactly what all the numbers are and like how many hamburgers they should make an hour that aren't just made to order and like how they can minimize waste but not because they don't want to waste food but because money is money exactly like how much money can we afford to waste to make more right and that's exactly the same kind of question we need to ask about movies like this is like how many dvd copies of heavy metal are sitting in like you know, a shipping container somewhere, you know, and like how many, like what was the cost and like why are they not being sold? Like all those E.T. Atari games that are buried out in the middle of the desert. That was, um, they had to get rid of them and the uh, trash company literally told them do not bring them to the dump. Because nice. they because they didn't know how they were going to decompose because it was such a like video game cartridges were such a new thing mm -hmm. so they just buried them out in the desert because they had nothing else to do with them. I like it. I like the desert. I spent a little bit of time out in the desert recently. Ooh, did Ooh, did you mysterious. see any uh, Jawas or anything? Uh, I I want to say I saw some sand people. I don't think that that's a a vogue term anymore. No, I, I, I really do. I really am waiting for um like and I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing. I'm not trying to be any type of way, but like I am kind of waiting for the day where like they're going to have to redub that line in Star Wars just because I... it's not politically correct anymore. <laughs> And I think maybe we'll be crossing some lines there or I'll just be old and I'll have like gray hairs coming out of my ears and be like, it's a fictional character. But like, it's, you know, that's what people are doing with Mr. Potato Head right now. If we want to touch on the Mr. Potato Head thing for a little bit. Listen, 
I think that uh, the Potato Heads have finally been liberated to uh, live their entire fantasy, to be their entire true selves, and I think that's cool. If you want to have the, um, I guess, uh, (laughs) the makeup eyes and, like, the normal everything else about the Mr. Potato Head, then that's cool. You can mix and match now. I'm I'm happy for you. Just know that all those extra parts still got to go up the butt. (laughs) See, I want a Dr. Frankenfurter Potato Head. I'm surprised it doesn't exist. I'm sure you could have someone make it for you. Hey, listeners, somebody make us a uh, Frankenfurter potato head. Please, we need it. We need that uh, sweet... uh, Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Sweet trans... Sylvanian that we, we need that in a potato head they also missed a major opportunity here to just have a set of like uh you know spectral potato heads called the spuddies what yeah you know like they run the gambit so like we have a mr and a mrs potato head but anything in between can be put in the spuddies universe i i i have a feeling where this is going and i don't want a whole line of dvd series films about the spuddies Oh, you don't want that? I mean, we have Air Buddies. We have, uh, like, you know, the My Little Pony universe. We can have the Spuddies universe. We gotta bring the Potato Head franchise back. Dear God. (laughs) Because we have to make it worth our while to make this big stink about Mr. Potato Head. Because you're right, we need this type of inclusivity in our potato-based toys. I I, I guess it's more of a, like, why does anybody care? Think about why certain people are trying to start a culture war when there are people, you know, losing their houses and dying. Yeah, yeah, we... Think think about why you're mad about this and then realize that you're not actually mad about it. Thank you. Yes. Anyway, let's talk about the reception of this film. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, the film uh, it had some good and some bad. I mean, some of it were pretty warm and people thought it was creative and new. And some people thought it was really aggressively terrible. Uh, it manages to hold on to a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is um not bad to say uh, for a movie like this. I mean, it does have some cult status, but like you said, it's recognizable enough to get some mainstream attention too, and I'm sure some of the negative oh, yeah. reviews come from the mainstream attention. It does. Um, So, a lot of people, a lot of the negative reviews that I read from, like, around that time were um mostly from, like, conservative parent groups, which in the 80s there were a lot of, because in the 80s uh, we saw, like, some, like, resurgence of, like, Hayes Code era bullshit. So, mm-hmm. like, so that's where we get the PG-13, because, you know, PG was not, like, you know, there was not enough, I guess for some parents in the 80s, like, late 70s and 80s, there wasn't enough distinction between PG and R. And, like, it's, so they had to make the PG-13 rating. But also it's where we started getting some sort of semblance of, like, the parental advisory stickers that, like, don't mean anything anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the thing about parental advisory sticker is that you know it's cool if it has a parental advisory sticker on it. Well, I mean, and you know what? That is one of those things where I'm like, you know what? That's great marketing. Oh, that, yeah, that's absolutely. Perfect. You like, have to weaponize it. Exactly. Like, well, it, it. I mean, actually, I think the the um coolization, I guess, I can't think of the proper word right here, for the um parental advisory sticker, it's actually really cool because the parent groups were using it as like some sort of warlike thing like ha look at that now no one will ever buy it now anything with a parental advisory sticker is great uh that's all the kids want they don't want to listen to will smith anymore they want to listen to nwa and you did that and it's your fault yes exactly i mean it's like the unrated stamp that things get when it doesn't go through the ratings board and they get to put whatever they want on it and like the mid 2000s when that first became like a big thing and they just they used it as branding like now you know this is the cool version like now you know which one to watch exactly i'm so glad we're past that yeah i I, I much prefer director's cut or like extended cut i think that's a more appropriate way to put it oh it's 100 appropriate but i mean look they wanted to do it somebody else was like oh you're it's malicious compliance oh you're not gonna give me an r rating because i put this one thing in here how about i stamp unrated on the front so everybody knows this is the good version exactly like this is the one where you can see a little like just like a small bit of like vagina lip and you can't see that in the normal one, so here you go. Yep, and you know what? They weaponized it. Good on them. Good on them. Fuck it. Anyway, um, so most critics actually, like, from what I saw, preferred the den segment, which is probably the most problematic segment in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that one's pretty problematic. I, um... Far from the only problematic thing, but I, they initially wanted the Den character to just be nude the entire time. Yeah, it, which is like, okay, makes sense. I mean, you know, 
He's he's a he's a nerdy teenage boy gone into a fantasy realm where he apparently has a huge penis and is great at sex even though he's never had it and just women are throwing themselves at him. <laughs> like uh, yeah, but he does have a, like a moral character about it. He has still managed to be a hero in some way. And again, this is like you said, it's fantasy and it's specifically a fantasy for a specific type of person. And maybe that was like an artistic choice for them to be like, you know, we were all this kid, but we all wanted to be this guy. And like, okay, yeah, if you want to tell that story, that's fine, I guess. I, I think the art here is pretty good. Like, I think they did a really good job with the like the oh, visual sure. appeal of it. Um, But I definitely see what you're talking about when it comes to like the problematic nature of it. And uh, you are right. Some of the more like overt sexist things in the movie come from this part. Again, not necessarily the only one. But um, it is the one that gets talked about the most. It's it's definitely not the one that gets talked about the most. It's like most people want to talk about the ending of the film, or um, I, I've seen a lot of love for like the um, the the plane, like the 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 World War Two like fighter jet sequence, which I thought uh, was the, the B seventeen, yeah, the B seventeen zombies, yeah. Like I was like, it's cool, but I'm really bored right now. <laughs> See, that's for the comic book nerd. That, that one is for the comic book nerd. Exactly. It's like, it was almost like a fucked up Fantasia segment, which I can get down with, but like, maybe it just didn't hit me in the right mood. <laughs> I mean, shit, this whole thing is kind of like that, you know? Exactly. Like, I, if we're talking about what we preferred, like, my favorite segment, I'd have to say the, the beginning, like, steampunk, like, 2037 or whatever year that took in with the taxi driver, that was my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be confused with the film taxi driver. No relation. <laughs> no, not at all. And not to be confused with the, uh, uh, with cyberpunk 2077 which still doesn't work <laughs> i we cannot get into a thing about cyberpunk right now i was so mad it worked, we were all like, mad it, it worked for like the first five hours i played and then after that nothing worked i was so mad <laughs> fix so it sorry. fucking fix it right now god damn it i still want to play it but i won't put it in until they fix it i you know what boycott boycott cyberpunk I think that's what everyone did because I don't hear anything about it. They might have fixed it and I have no idea. <laughs> I think they're happy that it's kind of fading into the background now because they don't have to like own up to what they did. Oh, they absolutely do. There's a lot of lawsuits going on. But anyway, we like you said, we do not have time to talk about this. Right, right. right. Let's talk about the impact. So um, this was, like we talked on earlier, this is one of the earliest examples of adult animation. The Simpsons owes to this. Uh, Family Guy owes to this. South Park owes to this. Everything owes a little bit to this because, uh, I mean, Heavy Metal walked so that all of these other ones could run. Oh, exactly. Like, um, especially, like, some of the more, like, like Adult Swim stuff, like, really owes itself to this. Like, even some of the aesthetic choices of Adult Swim, like, really, oh, really owe itself to stuff like this. And, like, um... You know, like we said, in the it, it was really big for com the comic book community, and it still holds a testament to like that seventies, eighties era of comic books, like you know, like the big baddies and like the beautiful, like lush set pieces, mm -hmm. and like it looks like an animated comic book. I mean, like it, the the animation holds up, like it's very, very good for the time. You know, considering the budget that they were on, like it is an interesting watch. It's definitely a vibe. It's a mood, one hundred percent a vibe, but. Uh-huh. Go on. There, there are some big issues with uh, some of the content in here, and um, just, I just wanted to go over them and, like, why it's important. So, like, the movie is 100% dated, and, like, obviously they would not make a movie like this now. Probably not. I don't know. They might. I think <laughs> so, with the power of the internet, we could get enough people together that were interested in doing it, but you're right. This is not the type of content that we see coming out in the mainstream by any stretch now. Which is not a great, you know, it, it's not good or bad like it's mainly like the depiction of women is really the worst part of the movie so like it, it the movie depicts women as like ditzy big boob bimbos that are just waiting for anyone to come fuck them it's like it, it's kind of striking to watch now because like it like it makes me shudder a little bit almost like the um specifically in the den segment where she was like you saved me i you can have whatever you want for repayment and it's just like <laughs> you can have whatever you like you can have whatever you like, and it's my non-existent pussy because I'm animated. Anyway. Um, you know what? That's the thing, though, is that they also had to put something on her because in the original version, she she was straight out in the open, too. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's not so much that it happens in the movie, but it's that it happens, like, four to five times. Like, the main issue is that it, when viewed by someone, and I hate saying this, but, like, someone 
that may not be completely done developing yet. So I'm talking about like, you know, anyone in that like eight to like probably 16 range. Like they might think that this is just normal because there's, there's also porn, which they're probably watching. So like that coupled with this, like it's like a mainstream thing, like reaffirming what some aspects of porn do. Uh huh. Does that track? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, it's definitely something that could be impressionable to someone like that. I think in the time it came out, that would have been a bigger problem than it is today, just because like people don't focus on one thing for a very long period of time now because you don't have no. to go to the video store once a week and rent the movie one time and watch it three times and then return it and think about it for a whole week before you can go rent another movie. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like this is like a this is like a one stop on like a Saturday night of movie watching. It's uh because you could just watch like. 14 movies in a day now and you don't even oh, have yeah, to leave yeah. your totally couch waste for an entire day out exactly hey that's that's not a wasted day for me <laughs> anyway so um it's like it's almost saying like this is how women are and that this is how they sh or even worse it's like this is how they should be which is i think is kind of like the most problematic thing because it's like it's constant throughout the whole thing like yes you do have like a couple of badass women in this Yes. But it's always compromised in some way. I mean, I see where we're coming from on that. Uh, I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily apply equally. Like, there are... It's a fantasy, so, like, everything's larger than life, and that's one of the things that is larger than life, too. I mean, again, like, you look at the Den character, like, that's not a... That's not a realistic representation of how, like, anyone is, like, regardless of who they are. And then, I mean, you get characters like Tarna. Like, Tarna is, like, wholesomely good and also very powerful. Exactly. But we also have to see her titties for some reason, and, like, it's kind of, like... Uh, like I, it's high I fantasy you ever I read aragon and then that dude he's like an elf and he's like constantly showing people his hairless dick it's weird it's a kid's book i don't know why that's in there <laughs> it should not be but anyway right um, high so fantasy that's... is kind of known for this i mean lord of the rings maybe being one of the like the most family friendly examples of this correct where that doesn't really happen there very often. But, I mean, it, it's pretty commonplace in the genre. That doesn't necessarily make it right. But, I mean, for a little bit of context. I mean, other ones, like uh, like the B-17 sequence is very famous. I mean, that one's... There There isn't really a part of that there. Exactly. Like, it's it's good with... It's good without it, so why put it in there? I guess it's my thinking. But right. it's also... It, this also wasn't made today. So I'm not trying to hold it to those standards, but I'm just probably, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is like why it's um probably not going to have like a long life, you know, past like probably this era. Oh, you like, don't think so? Like, I think probably we're going to see less and less people talk about this movie as time goes on well, because, you know, of, I because mean of these things. The fact that we're talking about it exactly 40 years after it was made is a testament to its staying power, I think. And I I mean, it had a good run, even if it doesn't. Um, I, I think exactly. that you were right in your assumption that this is for a certain group of people. Yeah, mostly, I, I would think neckbeards and weebs probably, like, they would love to live in the universe of this movie. Yeah, I think that maybe, th like, modern representations of, like, the comic book nerd can be found there, and, um... Better or worse, you know, I mean, some people are really into that. Some people really don't want to be in that, you know, circle of friends. So we'll just leave it at that. Exactly. And I think the last thing that I want to get at here is, um, I think this is also a really good way to bring up the subjects of like questions of intent and audience. Hmm. So sometimes with more cultish films like this, you have to keep in mind that the intent of the overtly sexist, like sexuality, may be trying to make a larger point or just to offend anyone in the site for laughs and jeers. Um, I don't think that that's the, this, what this film is. It comes off as being made for 15 year olds. You think and, so? Uh, yeah. And studios don't tend to make things for a cult or niche audience, so the intent here was to sell this to 12 to 16 year olds on the grounds of animated boobies and get them hooked. Um, in like for me, like that's what you should be skeeved out about is that they're thinking like, oh, we can sell this to like horny 16 year olds. Huh. I I would be interested to know exactly what the history was like behind that because I know the magazine it, it like has like high fantasy eroticism and that's like part of the appeal of that as well i don't know that like the heavy metal magazine of like 1970s france or like late 70s usa and canada is like targeted at younger people i think it is targeted at an adult audience but i think naturally like we've seen with like video games you know when you make something that is targeted for a 17 plus audience you will inevitably get a contingent of 13 to 16 year olds that become ardent fans like on accident because right, they right, saw right. it and thought it was cool exactly and like i'm not hating on that whatsoever like i completely understand i guess it's like when you sell this to people that young like it's 
I, I don't I just find it skeevy because sure. like for oh, someone totally like us like it, we see this as something that's like high fantasy it's a little gross but like you know we know the difference between like reality and not reality like when you mix this with someone who's like trying to figure out reality it's kind of harmful I guess I see what you mean there's potential for uh, a, a bad outcome there exactly but th- that's all I really wanted to get into not to not to get all PC police on it but you know I do think it's something worth talking about because audience and intent is like a very big thing especially with movies that we talk about on this podcast right because we got some special ones here uh, like we said at the top of this you know if you are a concerned parent it's your responsibility to take care of your kids so like don't expect somebody else to do it for you and don't get mad at somebody for making art that you don't like exactly but, but at the same time, I mean, you're right. There is uh, audience and intent are uh, important things to consider when you make something like this, especially because it's animated. And up until 1981, I mean, most animation post Hays Code was for children's storytelling or for a younger family-friendly audience. So when you take that medium and you turn it into something else, you have to be careful about the way that it's disseminated. Exactly. Thank you for putting what I said into small into a smaller format. <laughs> There we go. We bounce off each other. We we meld together like peanut butter jelly. Uh, I listened to peanut jelly butter jelly banana? time for the first time in years the other day. Oh, good. Did, was it stuck in your head for like at least 16 hours? Yes. Oh, God. I, I, I shudder at the next time that I remember the hamster dance. Oh, oh, no. What about Redneck's Cotton Eye Joe? We don't talk about Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> I, th- there was a time in my, like, earlier 20s that, like, I, I listened to that song, like, on repeat, like, for, like, three days just because I was, I don't know why. I was just like, gotta listen to it. <laughs> right, right. It was a, uh, it was a political solidarity move for the prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. Exactly. <laughs> I, I wish that I had the hindsight to know that's what I was doing. Now I know, but then I didn't. Anyway, right. I think that's going to be good enough for this week. Good pick, John. Um, Heavy Metal, if you haven't checked it out, it's gross. But, you know, if you like gross, it's good. <laughs> yeah, the world's gross. Art reflects life or something. I don't know. I didn't finish college. <laughs> All right, guys, so we're going to wrap it up. You can find us on Facebook, Inflammation Podcast, Twitter at inflammation for you That's the number four. And if you want to send us an email or send us a message, uh, go on ahead. All of that information is on our Facebook page. Uh, John, do you have anything else before we go? I sure don't. Tune in next week. We're going to have a, a fun new movie picked by yours truly for Zach's listening and viewing pleasure. I can't wait, question mark? Oh, yeah, you can. (laughs) All right, guys. For Four Year Inflammation, I'm Zach. And I'm John. Have a great week. Watch a new movie. Bye, guys.